Good evening. It's lovely to be here with you all. I'm going to take my glasses. No, I might put them back on. Um, yeah, it's really strange to be here, to be honest. Because I, I was here before and I shared my testimony about six, maybe seven years ago. Um, and I was at Vineyard at the time and I had no idea what my future was or where I was going to end up. And this church, being in a Baptist church, made me think about working and living and becoming a Baptist. So really the Baptist Union have you guys to blame for anything I do. Um, so that's good. Um, and like the very nice introduction said, um, I am the pastor, one of the pastors down at South Beach Baptist Church. And it does sound LA or West Hollywood or very nice, but it really is Solcoats and it rains and it's minging. Um, but the good thing is the ice cream's not bad. Um, so, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, yeah. Shall we, shall we get started? Yeah, because nobody really wants to hear much about me. We're going to be looking at 1 John 3. Um, we're going to be looking at verses 11 to 24. Um, this is my personal confession. I didn't really notice there was a 24 at the end. I just thought it stopped at 23. So when I sent through what passage I was going to be talking on, my apologies. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. So if you've got that on new version or whatever it is, you could change over to that. If you're using an old school paper Bible, how retro is that? I see one there. Respect, my friend. Um, you know, feel free to switch to the correct page. Um, but I'll just read it for you. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can, God, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God, even if we feel guilty. God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Amen. It's a good passage, eh? I'm going to move this because I'm going to knock it over. Not that I'm at all accident prone, but I'm really accident prone. Um, here we go. 
you. As if to prove my point, and also to ruin the lovely appearance on the film that everything is polished and good. So, when I see when we read the Bible, hands up anybody who reads the Bible and doesn't really think about the background. Anybody who doesn't hand, have their hand up was a liar. How many of us have just opened the Bible, started reading, and you've not really engaged with what's going on in the background? Because that's actually really, really important, especially with this passage, and especially with the letters. I think it's especially important because, you see, the thing is that there's some really key things that change this letter, that make the, the stuff going on it just slightly different and just make you think about it in a slightly different way. And I really like this letter. I think it's really exciting. But we need to really appreciate the background. So, at the start of this letter, he doesn't use a traditional opening. You know, like, if we are sending a letter, you put Dear Dave, um, and then you write the letter, and at the end you'll put Yours Sincerely or Yours Faithfully, you know, the proper way to write a letter. That doesn't exist in this. So that would suggest to me it's more like a message. Because when you send a message to your mates, it's not as if you say, Dear Dave, it's Des, I hope you're really well, blah, blah, blah. You don't do that, do you? Mainly because their name pops up on your phone. But you, people, if you know the person, you talk in a much more kind of chatty way, don't you? Let's just clarify, I'm not a typical type of preacher, so when I ask a question, I expect you to speak back. This isn't like a typical church thing, like, you know, it's okay to talk. Like, we'll, we'll keep working on it, it's fine. Um, but do you know what I mean? Like, if you're sending a message out and it's somebody that knows you, or you pick up the phone. See, when I phone my mum, she doesn't need to go, who is it? Because she knows it's me. Do you know what I mean? If you phone one of your mates, you know who it is. And I think that's what's going on in this letter. John's writing to somebody who he kind of knows because he uses a lot of things that just kind of suggest that. And it's written a bit more simply and it's written a bit more stripped down. And, but there's a lot in it. Because John's actually writing about this thing. This is the word that we need to practice, right? <laughs> called deceitism, Right? Now, you all know what that means, so I'll just move on. Um, <laughs> deceitism is a whole class at college. Basically, it basically means it was the argument about people who thought that Jesus didn't actually walk on the earth. They thought he was just the spirit. That's, that's basically what deceitism is. And that's what John's writing about. He's writing about these people who were leaving the church going, nah, Jesus wasn't the guy. He was just spirit. He was like a... Ooh, ghostly type of thing that just did stuff but John's saying no 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 you don't understand Jesus was like me he was human because you need to remember that John was one of the twelve he was one of the disciples he walked around he was one of the guys who picked up the extra fish and bread from the feeding of the five thousand he was one of the guys who was there when the roof started getting smashed in and somebody got lowered down he had his feet washed. He saw Jesus walk on water. He saw Peter sink and laugh. He, um, he's outraged. He's upset that these people don't believe in his, his mate. Do you know? Like, you guys know I exist because you can see me. 
You can come up, you can touch me, you can prod me. Please don't. Um, but you know that I'm here. John knew Jesus. He knew he was there. So for these people to be saying that he was a spirit, it's just offensive. Do, do you know what I mean? Like it, would be, like, it was weird sitting there today watching my face massively on the screen and hearing my voice. Right? It's weird. But I know I exist. See, if you guys had never seen me in this building, you could have just thought that was made up, right? There we go, big man. Yes, come on. <laughs> so, I've totally lost my place now. You distracted me by talking. Just be quiet, okay? Um, the, the whole point I'm trying to make is that John knew about this stuff. And he's writing saying, guys, look, he's writing to his mate saying, oh, dude, please understand. I, I knew Jesus. And he was amazing. And he was special. And these guys that are leaving the church are missing something. But do you know what? We still need to love them. And that's what this whole passage is about. So let's take a wee wander through it and pull out what, what's actually going on. So, as I said, John, John knew the person he was writing to. Because he says this at the start. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. So he knows that this guy knows the scriptures. He knows that this guy knows his Torah, his Old Testament. He knows the Jewish Bible because he says it. You've heard this message from the beginning. And then he goes on in verse 12 to to pull that idea out. He says, we must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. Does, anyone, does everybody know the story of Cain and Abel? If you've been to Sunday school, you probably have. If not, I'll give you the Des version. One good brother, one bad brother. Bad brother kills good brother for being good. Would we agree that that's a fair representation of the story of Cain and Abel? It's possibly not quite theologically accurate, but you know, it's the... Um, but the story is that Abel's a good guy. And all he's trying to do is live out his life well. He's trying to do the right thing. You know, he's doing what he's commanded to do. And Cain's like, dafty. I'm not very happy about that. Why is he getting all the praise? And Cain smashes his head in. Cool. (laughs) It's quite weird, this. So everything I say, you're just... Really? Oh, this could be a fun game. Um, oh, sorry, I'll behave. Just to be excited. Um, so John is basically saying here that we shouldn't be surprised that if we're doing the right thing, don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Because if we're doing the right thing, just like Abel was doing the right thing, right from the start of time, right from the start of the Bible, doing the right thing, bad stuff happens to you. So we've got to be okay with that. So that's a good, happy, cheery message, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you pray, you read your Bible, everything will be terrible. It's just what you want to hear. But we need to be okay with that. We need to be okay with people giving us a hard time because if we're trying to do the right thing, it's tough. So I'm the only Christian in my family. The only one. 
and it's tough. My mum gives me grief. She calls it the cult. You know, my dad laughs at me because he thinks I've totally lost it. But at the same time, I don't really care because I know Jesus, just like John knew Jesus. And I know what this means. So I can tough it out. And, it, and if you're at school or you're at work, it can be tough. Any, if you have had grief for being a Christian, put your hand up. Look around. It's just about all of us, right? Everyone's had it at some point. But it's okay, because there is an answer. And it's love. See, in 14 it says, If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. The way to, com- to conquer all of this stuff is through love. And that sounds dead easy, doesn't it? Big man, come on. Yeah. Um, it does, it sounds easy. Just love people, it's fine, no bother. It's not easy. It's one of the hardest things you have to do. It's one of the hardest things I do. Generally, I, I was a bouncer, so my default is to hate everybody. Right? And I'm really good at it. I'm really good at punching people in the face. I'm really good at being angry. Um, it's really hard to love people especially in church and this is my honest confession because Christians are hard work man like we all think we're all nice but we're a nightmare you know oh it's a bit cold in here you know it's like stop being so fussy you know I was at a conference last weekend called Deep Impact and it's for youth workers I'm just having a personal vent now Um, but somebody genuinely compa- complained that their mattress was too lumpy. <laughs> There's people dying for believing in what we believe. Oh, yeah. Mm. You know, I didn't get a great sleep. No, I only got the seven hours. It was oh, pure lumpy mattress. Aye, cool. But I will love you, brother. <laughs> it's hard, right? But that's what we have to do. Because, you see, the thing is... If we don't love, a person who has no love is dead. We need to make it work. We need to find a way of loving people. And that's what John goes on to talk about. See, he says, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. Any, and you know that murderers don't have eternal life with him. So see, if we don't love, we're committing murder and we're not going to heaven that seems harsh. That seems like a, a huge jump. But that's what it says. If we're not showing love to people, if we're not trying to do the best that we can do, if we're not trying to show Jesus to people, what have we got? We've got nothing. Verse 16, this idea just keeps getting deeper. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also should give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, I'm 40 grand in debt to get a theology degree, right? And I could quote lots of big words, which I'm really tempted to do because it would be hard for the person signing, but I'm not going to. I'm going to behave. And do you know what? Sometimes the Bible actually tells you the answer. Four years at Bible college... This is what I have learned. 
It says it in the text. Read it on the screen. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. That is not a complicated idea. See, Jesus took a really complicated thing and made it really simple. And then we've taken a really simple thing and made it really complicated. Let's go back to the simple thing. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We could all do that, couldn't we? If a hand grenade came in here right now, I would jump on it for all of you. I probably wouldn't. I would actually use you as a shield. <laughs> but I would take the credit later. Um, no. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, when I was a bouncer, I used to work with guys who would literally take a knife to protect me, who would have guns pointed at them to protect me, and I would do the same for them. Would you do that for everybody here? Don't put your hands up. I don't want anyone to get offended. But would you? Because that's what we're called to do. It's tough when it's making the decision, isn't it? And then it goes on to, John kind of makes it easy for us. He's explaining it a bit further in what I call practical application. Which sounds really fancy, but it just means how do you do it? Because we read this stuff in the Bible, but how do you make it into your life? How, how does this become normal? And it says this, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother and sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? See, if you've got some extra cash, yeah, if you've got some extra cash and you don't help the people out around you, that's not very good, is it? No. I'm going to, right, has anybody got a £5 note in their pocket that they don't need? Have a rummage around. Anybody? It's better to do it after the offering. Have you got one? Fantastic. You'll claim it back later. Fantastic. Does anybody need a fiver? You've not got one, big man. There you go. You had a look in your pocket there. There's a fiver just for you. There we go. Has anybody else got any spare cash in their pocket? You got a fiver, brilliant. Anybody else need a fiver? What are you doing for your lunch tomorrow? Going out. You are, and someone's buying you your lunch. That's great, isn't it? Do you see what I mean? It could be as simple as that. If it's your cash. What about if it's more than that, though? What about if it's your whole life? Because there's a word in here. I don't know if you can see it. Compassion. And that changes everything. See, to me, that, that's Jesus' teaching. That's John who sat at the foot of Jesus and picked that up and pushes that idea forward. Because it's not just about money when it's about compassion. It's about your whole life. Now, I don't know if you guys know Marcus and Anna, and I'm going to totally embarrass you now, so I apologise. I don't really care, but I'm going to embarrass you anyway. Marcus and Anna are friends of ours, and when we were at Vineyard, they came to our house group. My wife and I had a house group, they came along, and they invited us around for dinner, and they fed us, and they loved us, and they took care of us. 
they had nothing. They just arrived in Scotland and had very little. But what they did have, they gave to us. And then we lost touch for a wee while. Ended up in Broughty Ferry. I ended up in Broughty Ferry doing a step-out week. They took me into their home. They fed me, and I eat a lot. <laughs> they looked after me. They loved on me. They, they just took care of me. And then we went back to visit again, and they looked after Fiona and my wee girl, and looked after me. And then they moved to Hamilton, and they do the same. And they just give and give and give. So much so, one of my friends didn't have anywhere to live. So he put out a message on Facebook, and they offered it to him. Now, that may seem like nothing, but nobody wants to live with this guy. He's a nightmare, right? And they offered to open up their house to him. And even today, I was round and I've put on a half a stone um, because they fed us and loved on us. They took what they have and just give it away. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we need to have. That's the compassion that we need to be looking for. It's not just about the fiver. It's about every single thing in our body, every single part of what we have. I've got about 20 pairs of trainers. Do I really need 20 pairs of trainers? I probably do. Um, but, but do you know what I mean? Like, what about... Have you, got, have you got heating and your person next door doesn't? What about somebody in your street who doesn't have Wi-Fi? Could you give them your code? Maybe not, there could be issues. But, but you know what I mean? Like, we need to be thinking about everything we do. Everything we need to be doing is intentional to push out and to show love. Verse 18 says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. You giving me that fiver was trusting. Us giving it away and giving it to you, that's faith in action. Marcus and Anna opening their house up for a stranger is faith in action. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be taking chances because, do you know what? I would love to be able to walk down the street in Hamilton and just say to somebody, you know, where did you get that jacket? Where did you get those shoes? And they say, oh, there's this guy at Hamilton Baptist and he just loved me and he gave me his jacket. Or a homeless guy sitting there with hot food because you guys have done something. And I'm not just pointing the finger at you, I'm just saying, wouldn't it be great if the whole of the church was like that? Wouldn't it be great if we could all be like that? Because we've got to live this love out. It's no good just loving each other in here. We need to be loving everybody out there. Because you guys know you're loved, right? You've got some work to do, mate. Uh, David, I think you need to love these people a bit. They just don't know. Um, <laughs> see, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. If we show love, people see love and they see God. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, right? Watch this video. I apologize for the quality. Did you hear what he said? 
I'm the only one in this room who's qualified to hold this Glock 40 and then shot himself in the leg. That's a policeman in America. That's a guy who's talking the talk but not walking the walk. That's a guy who says, oh yeah, yeah, I've got this. He's got a big hole in his leg, that's what he's got. See, if I say I'm a Christian, so you guys, I'm a professional Christian. This is what I do for a living. If you see me driving down the road, smoking a fag, drinking a bottle of vodka, you know, swerving all over the road, or in the bookies all the time, or doing, punching people in the face, or doing all that stuff, would you say I was a Christian? No. But I could stand there and say, yes, I'm a Christian. You know, I turn up on a Sunday, I uh, do the communion, I hand out the bag. It doesn't make you a Christian, does it? It's about every step in between. There was a guy in one of our churches who was deeply anointed. He was amazing. He was a great speaker. 20 minutes after he finished his sermon one day, round the corner, he got caught breaking into someone's car to take the stereo. not really being that Christian you know I'm, I struggle to find it being okay to rob someone in the Bible do you know what I mean that's a guy who's not living out his faith by what he says and people pay attention to that see the reason that my family start paying attention to the fact that I'm a Christian now is because I live it out when they offer me loads of booze I say no or when my dad tries to buy me a lottery ticket I say no They pay attention to that. It's not what I say. It's not the fact that I pray. It's not the fact that I do something, but they pay attention to the way that I live. And that's what we need to do as Christians. We need to think about the way that we live. It's not just what we say. It's how we live our lives. But John knows we're not perfect, just like he wasn't perfect. Because he had seen perfection. He had seen Jesus. He knew what perfect was. And we've got this here. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings because he knows everything. Now, what this means is, see if you're walking down the street and you see the big issue seller and you don't buy him a Greggs and then walk up the street a little bit further and feel guilty about it. That's okay. That doesn't give you the excuse to beat yourself up systematically for the next week so that you're pushing yourself away from God and not giving yourself the confidence to ever do it again. It's saying this, God knows. God knows that you felt bad about it. But do you know what? Try and fix it next time. Next time, take a wee wander back and go back and feed the guy. Because if we don't feel guilty we can come to God with bold confidence. And that's what we need, isn't it? Wouldn't it be great to have God's confidence right behind you all the time so that you could just walk up to people and be like, I'll pray for you. Yeah, I got this. Or here's some food or whatever it is. You guys could do that, right? If you had God on your shoulder the whole time. Yeah? I'm, not, I'm going to refuse not to say this, but you do have God on your shoulder the whole time, so you should just do it. It's dead easy. Because we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and we do the things. The passage just goes on to basically say, guys, do it. 
Just keep doing it because God's behind you and he loves you. And it comes to this. This is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. And it finishes up in 24 by saying, Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Basically, those two verses have these things to say. Love God and love people. Now, I don't know about you, right? But I can do that. I think if we get right down to basics, we can all do that. I can go out and love people. And I can love God. Can you guys do that? Because that's all we're talking about here. We're talking about just showing some love. Just going out and saying, do you know what? Have some food. Giving people a cuddle. Making a cup of tea for somebody. We're not talking about rocket science. We're not talking about some amazing, deeply seated theological, ethical idea. We're talking about love. What is it that makes you guys feel special? What is it that makes you think, ah, that person loves me. Just do that for someone else. It's that simple. I'm going to give you one thing to just finish on. And it's this guy. And I think with everything that's going on in America, people should be paying attention to this guy. It's Martin Luther King. And he says this, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. See, everything that goes on, all the people out there that don't like Christians, all the people who think Christians are mental, see if we just show love every single time. We don't get angry. We don't get upset. You know, people tried to blow up his house. He showed love. People put burning crosses in his garden in front of his kids. He showed love. When he was assassinated, he showed love. We could do that. We can all do that. Let's pray. Father, help us to love one another. Amen. Thanks, guys.